This is Channel 253. In this episode of Citizen Tacoma. If someone is is experiencing mental health problems, they're not going to be able to help themselves out of it. They need someone to hold their hand and help them and lift them and push them into, you know, getting the support they need. Uh, Same with any sort of, um, you know, drug addiction, things like that. There's no way that they're going to be able to handle that on their own. They need help. They need us. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Welcome back to another episode of Citizen Tacoma. I'm your host, Eric Hanberg. Today we are sitting down with Joe Bushnell, who is running for City Council District 5. This is the South End. Some may think of it as the seat currently occupied by uh, Chris Beal, who's not running uh, for re-election. So this is an open seat. Uh, Joe is one of the candidates. Let's give it a listen. Well, we are here for another interview uh, with candidates for city council. My guest today is Joe Bushnell. Welcome to the podcast, Joe. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Uh, so one of the questions I like to start with as we get to know uh, the people running for office is a very basic one. What's your Tacoma story? Uh, well, you know, I was born and raised in Tacoma, uh, 1989, right out of St. Joe's. Uh, my mother is a, a Cambodian refugee from, uh, you know, fleeing the genocide uh, back in the 80s. And um, I grew up in all parts of Tacoma, uh, which included, you know, the West End, um, Salishan, many years spent there, and then also in Northeast Tacoma. And then most recently, uh, you know, I purchased a home after finishing the military and college, you know, in South Tacoma. I've always knew that Everywhere I went in the world that I'd always come back to home and, you know, I'm really happy to have been able to come back here. Um, Tacoma's yeah, like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's funny because I'll I'll visit, you know, and talk with people and I'll be like, hey, I'm from Tacoma. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, I've lived in Tacoma at one point or another. I remember being in Huntsville, Alabama for uh, MOS school in the Marine Corps and this this guy who's like, oh, yeah, I lived in Tacoma for like 15 years and it was just some – Random, you know, and then they, you know, ended up in Huntsville, and it's like, wow, that's so cool. Yeah, and that and it's stories like that are constant all over the world. Yeah, that's uh, that's what happens when you have two giant military bases right next to you. I think that's part of it. I'm sure. But, yeah, absolutely. But then they come back when they discover the mountains and the water. Oh, for sure. A lot of people like are just are blown away by how beautiful it is out here. Yeah, um, they love the people out here. You know, there's so many amazing things to do and see and. You know, it's not surprising that we have so many people coming uh, to live out here now. Um, the secret's out. Yes. So you can't just tell everybody it rains all the time because they know that's wrong. That's true. <laughs> Social media will put that to lie. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess the next question would be, given that uh, background in Tacoma, um, why are you running for office? And first, maybe we can just sh- remind everyone what office you are running for because not everyone understands how uh, districts and council works. Yeah, I'm, I'm running for Tacoma City Council District 5, and District 5 encompasses pretty much everything south of 56th Street all the way out to McKinley, and then moves back south again all the way to city limits. 
Um, so to give you some idea, uh, some neighborhoods that are out there, we have the Manitou neighborhood in South Tacoma. We also have Fern Hill. Um, we have the Edison neighborhood and obviously many others to, to give you an idea of where that's at. Yeah. Great. Thank you. And why, why run for city council? You know, I, I believe that uh, service to community, service to country is one of the highest callings a person can make. Uh, in, in my opinion, like what is life if not to support and serve others, you know, and, and try to make life better? Um, you know, and I've, I've held that ethos since I was a child because of, you know, the tumultuous times my, my mother went through. You know, it was, it was the, the support of the community that came forward, you know, with the Tacoma Community House, um, families opening up their homes um, to, you know, sponsor refugees, um, helping teach them English, you know, become citizens, you know, that outpouring of support and love and community kind of really has embedded itself in me growing up. And the opportunity came up to run for council. And I was just like, and I love Tacoma. This is my home. And just the opportunity came. I was like, of course, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put my best foot forward and try and advocate and fight for my community. And, And we have some struggles that we're still working through, you know, today, you know, Comparatively, in the past, you know, things have gotten better, but you know, it's still it almost feels like things are sliding back a little bit, um, and I really don't want to see that, and I want to see improvement, and I, and so you know, I, it just it is a calling, I guess you would say, as some people would say, and uh, so here I am. <laughs> here you are. Yep. Yeah. Um, you said for I can't remember how you phrase it for city and country or something like that. Uh, you were in the the Marines, you said. I was. Okay. Yeah, um, I spent a little over a decade in the Marine Corps, uh, about eleven years to be precise. Um, early on, it, I, I pretty much graduated from Stadium in, in 08 and then in June, and then left for boot camp in July. Wow. Yeah, so I was already signed up and ready to go, and I had I initially had thought I was going to end up in Iraq, but. Um, in my active duty time, I spent a couple of years overseas in Japan, um, in Okinawa, which was a beautiful, beautiful island. If you ever get a chance to visit, I certainly okay. highly recommend. Okay, um, beautiful place and people are really nice. Um, and then I did spend some time in Twenty Nine Palms, California, where I was with a infantry unit called Third Battalion, Fourth Marines, and we deployed to Afghanistan in two thousand eleven, um, <clears throat> Helmand Province. Uh, it, if you it's kind of towards the south of the country if you're looking at a map um it was a very uh difficult time you know of my life there's a lot of um it was rough yeah I'll, to say the least um i did spend some time with um working with ana which is the afghan national army and anp which is the afghan national police we um when we had left we were the first unit to to leave from the surge um if you remember the obama obama years. surge yeah, 2011 the, or so yep and it was right after we had uh, killed Osama. So I was in country when, when Osama bin Laden was killed. And so for me, that, that felt like full circle because I remember 9-11. I remember everything that led up to that point. And, and in my heart, I felt like, okay, we have accomplished what we have come here to do. And then now we're in the situation we are today. And, right. you know, we, we have lost, you know, people in our military and, and as well as Afghans have lost their lives trying to to build their and protect their country. So when people say that they threw down their weapons and didn't fight, I, I, I adamantly disagree with that. They they were out there doing the best they could with what they had. Yeah. This is uh, the Citizen Tacoma podca- podcast, not the Citizen United States of America podcast. But I am curious 
how you reflect on, uh, you know, as the, as the child of a refugee, as we also are looking at a lot of uh, Afghan refugees coming into the country, um, how do you, how you think about those, uh, that issue that's, that's looking at us right now? Yeah, I, I see so many parallels, you know, especially you, the, the, the pull out of Saigon, you know, the, the last people coming off the roof of the embassy there. And then I look at the images of what's going on, you know, in the past few weeks in Afghanistan. And it's like, have we not learned anything? You know, I just, it's a struggle for me to, to see. I feel like the same people that were in leadership when that happened back in the 70s and the 80s is the same leadership, the same people that were in power today. Mm. And so you can almost see that because there hasn't been any transition in in leadership, that the same mistakes are occurring. Um, is there something Tacoma or Tacomans could do to help right now? Absolutely. Um, I've done it, um, and many others have signed up. Uh, look uh, on lirs.com, I believe it is which is Lutheran and Immigrant Immigration and Refugee Services. They're partnering with the federal government uh, to find volunteers in the Seattle-Tacoma area as well as other parts of the country. And you can sign up to simply you know, pick families or refugees up from the airport to transport them where they need. Um, you can sponsor a family into your own home, which, which people have done in Tacoma in the past. And, and I know that our city and our people are going to step up and support you know, you can um, put together care packages because just like my mother, many of these people are coming here with nothing but the, the clothes on their back, like yeah. literally nothing. They're starting from nothing. Yeah. And it, it's really, sorry, it's really upsetting and we could have done more. But what we can do is do the best that we can now to support people um, coming to the U.S. Thank you for that, for uh, a detour as we talk about um, all of these issues. What do you think as you look at either all of Tacoma or your district are the three biggest issues facing uh, the people right now? Yeah, I think I think the number one issue that a lot of people – it's a noticeable issue and, and it's been a problem even before the pandemic but it's certainly gotten worse is, um, is helping homeless folks. Um, there's a lot of people living on tents in the streets, you know, on sidewalks, in the parks and things like that um, and a lot of – the folks in, in South Tacoma and the South End, they they want solutions. You know, they're tired of 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 nothing happening. You know, the situation is just constantly getting worse, um, and they're more than happy to support services and and as a community come together and help people out. Um, I I feel that there is also a sentiment that um, it's only the District Five that's helping and to to help with uh, homeless issues, <clears throat> and part and as well as the <clears throat> excuse me. Um, downtown and east side and <clears throat> other parts of Tacoma are not are not pitching in you know they'll they'll shout to the top of the skies that they want a solution as well and to help but it seems like it's only an emergency in in on one side of Tacoma it's not an emergency on the other side but in Tacoma it's that's the whole city it's it's a city emergency it's not just a district 5 emergency um and so we're more than happy to, to help and support but we'd love to see some more buy in from other parts of town okay other issues besides that one? Yeah. Uh, public safety is another big concern um, uh, and housing affordability that kind of ties in with our homeless. Um, uh, there's a lot of people that are afraid to walk around at night. You know, just the other day there was a shooting just down the street from me. And I could I could hear the gunshots. You know, it was a drive-by. 
um, on Montgomery Street. Um, and <clears throat> that's not unusual. You know, people talk about like joking about whether it's fireworks or gunshots, but it's it's kind of a grim reality. Like, and oftentimes it is gunshots. You know, it, people you know are racing up and down the streets and shooting out of their cars, and you know someone could get killed or hurt. You know, with and you know we need more something to do about it. We need more police down there to do something about it. And it feels like. Even if you call the police department and there's – if someone could be actively breaking in your car and you call the police, they will not show up. You know, you, they can catch them red-handed right there. But they may if, – if they do ever show up, maybe it's a couple hours after the fact and by then someone's long gone. So you, you can see that there's a little bit of distrust there in that. Uh, so homelessness, public safety, anyone uh, – one more in the big three? Yeah, the big three. And then, you know, bringing good jobs to our community. Um, a lot of folks have – we're a very working class uh, community. A lot of folks have to travel outside of Tacoma in order to find good work. Um, we have obviously tons of opportunity for job growth in the South Tacoma area that I think is underutilized and untapped. Um, I look at the South Tacoma Manufacturing Industrial Center and how underutilized it is. Um, currently, it, there's – you know, you got the Nally Valley Storage which is not huge for job density. And then you have the, you know, the Atlas Foundry down there as well. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's mainly just like a storage area, you know, but that is zoned heavy industrial. You know, I'd like to see what we can do about bringing green uh, energy fuels, uh, manufacturing, green infrastructure into the future. Um, on the Neighborhood Council, we have petitioned um, to change the comprehensive plan to look at that area to turn it into an economic green zone um, and reimagine what the South Tacoma Manufacturing Industrial Center looks like. And we can bring in family wage jobs, then the people can just travel down the street. You know, they don't have to commute all the way up to Seattle or King County in order to find good work. Yeah. Are there other things, um, let's dig on, dig in on the economy. Are there things that you think the council should be doing, you know, actively right now or, you know, when you take uh, – hypothetically take office, you know, at the beginning of the year? Um, where would you like to start as a, as a council really trying to, to, to push mm -hmm. uh, around the economy and jobs? Yeah, I'll start off with what I think the council has been doing right. Um, they've been leveraging some of the federal dollars that are coming in to, to support some of our small businesses. Um, and like like restaurants and others that had to shut down due to you know the obvious COVID, um, and then there's also uh, utility and rental assistance that's been provided by the county, which I think is supplemented by the Tacoma as well, um, you know through TPU and, and what have you, and and so I think those are really positive things. Um, we definitely need to continue those. You know, there's a lot of um, a lot of businesses have taken on a, a lot of debt in order to keep their doors open, to keep people hired um, and employed. And so that debt doesn't just go away overnight. That's going to take years of working that debt off. And so we need to continue to support many of our small businesses to help uh, stabilize their, you know, operationals. And so, you know, I, I worry about, you know, some of these deadlines and where you can only apply for a certain amount of time. So I'm, I'm looking at maybe broadening that language a little bit so it's a little more accessible. Yeah. One of the drivers of the economy is considered to be the port. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, there's a lot of questions about, you know, what should the port look like and how does fossil fuels, you know, coexist at the port? Um, that's one of the big questions that the council uh, faces regularly with, um, you know, as they have the the sub-area plans and all sorts of very detailed names for something that basically gets down to what should the port be. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts on uh, the future of the port, especially as it relates to things like uh, fossil fuels and climate change? Yeah, absolutely. Well, climate change is real and we, we see it, especially this past summer. I, I'm afraid uh, that the, the heat that we experienced is going to become a normal occurrence. And um, I was reading an article from some climate scientists saying that the heat that did happen would have been impossible if not for climate change itself. And so the reality, it's here and we're feeling it. And, you know, we see it with the hurricanes and the wildfires and everything else. You know, we as a city and we as a country need to move away from fossil fuels. Um, I don't believe we should be expanding any fossil fuels down there. Um, you know, the Port of Tacoma is an economic driver of our city and our region, you know, and, you know, people joke that it's the Port of Chicago because many of our <laughs> – many of our trains go straight to the Midwest because we are one of the main ports sure. from from Eastern Asia uh, into um, the U.S. And so we need to make sure that we're, we're increasing job density but then also looking into the future. And the future to me within the next 30 years and hopefully less than that – you know, we're completely weaned off of fossil fuels. And so how are we setting up our port to take advantage of that transition? And, you know, and to me, that doesn't mean we're expanding. That means we're looking to how we can provide more shore power, how we can provide alternative fuel sources. At the same time, there's a balance there because um, many homes and many, you know, businesses still use like propane or, you know, LNG and gas and things of that nature. And and gas it's, itself is also fossil fuel. So, I think there are some industries that are – there's no technology that's going to replace you know, the fossil fuels. And so we need to find out a way to also offset those carbon – that carbon footprint, um, whether it be through carbon credits or you know, something. And I feel like the, uh, there's steps that the city can take, but it's, it's mostly a legislature and, and, and a federal government kind of, kind of thing, you know, and – but we need to be having those conversations and, and moving in that direction because, you know, at this point, it's the, – the change is happening. Like it's already too late to stop the change. But we can do things to to slow it down and, and hopefully reverse it and capture some of this carbon that's been released because, yeah. you know, we're, we're in for a doozy. And I, I worry for my grandchildren if I ever have any. Yeah. Uh, one of the things you also mentioned when we were just starting out on these issues was uh, – you know, caring for the people who are homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things you think we should be doing again right now or when you start in January? Yeah, I, I believe in a housing first strategy. Um, what that means is getting folks out of, you know, the parks, off of the sidewalks, out of the, the forests and into some sort of uh, structure, uh, whether it be tiny homes, whether it be um, increasing shelter capacity, even you know, purchasing hotels that um, can create transitional housing, mm-hmm. um, building more affordable housing as well. Um, I would love to see partnerships with the Tacoma Housing Authority a bit more, as well as the Habitat for Humanity and other developers that I think there's a lot of um, developers out there that want to help, but sometimes the city can be its own worst hindrance mm-hmm. in, in getting those you know affordable units up. 
And so we need to build those better partnerships and relationships and, and work with our development community and our nonprofits to really dive in and support transitional housing. But, you know, I don't think it's humane for uh, folks to be out on the street. It, living in a tent is no way to live. Um, <clears throat> and we need to make sure that services can get to them consistently. Um, you know, there's no – if someone is, is experiencing mental health problems, they're not going to be able to help themselves out of it. They need someone to hold their hand and help them and lift them and push them into, you know, getting the support they need. Uh, same with any sort of, um, you know, drug addiction, things like that. There's no way that they're going to be able to handle that on their own. They need help. They need us. And just ignoring them and having them sleep on the street is is not helping them and it's not helping us. And so – Getting them into some sort of shelter, especially as winter is coming up, um, and then transitioning them into more permanent housing as they, they get better. And then, you know, services, they're trying to get to these folks, and they could be on one side of the city one day and other parts the next day. And so they're searching for them constantly. Try, you know, they'll spend half a day looking for a particular person, you know, when they could be if I know that tiny home houses, you know, Bob, and I know Bob needs this help, and, you know, maybe Bob doesn't want the help today, but maybe he'll want the help tomorrow, you know? Um, and I think, I think there's been a lot of mistrust, uh, from our houseless people, um, to, to the city. You know, I, I look at, for example, there's an encampment that's being proposed on 84th and Pacific and it's not proposed, but it's, it's, it's making its way. And, uh, we don't really know what that's going to look like exactly. Is it going to be just you know folks with their tents? Is it going to be a larger tent and people will go inside it, kind of like what's down over in Portland uh, on Portland Ave? Or like so? There's there's a lot of questions, and and at the same time, 84th and Pacific is one of the highest crime rates in the city. Like so, we're going to take our most vulnerable populations and move them into a spot where they can get preyed upon by criminals sex traffickers, drug traffickers, you know, um, violent criminals that reside and in, in, in go up and down Pacific. You know, to me, that doesn't make sense. That's not setting them up for success. You know, we're – and so why would they trust the city if they're being placed in a, in a, in a location that for all intents and purposes is going to exacerbate their situation? It doesn't make sense to me. You know – why don't we have any facilities or locations in the north end where there's a very low crime rate? So, you know, these these criminals aren't coming in and preying upon them. There is one at Sixth and Orchard. We can I, I would consider that central Tacoma okay. where where it's at, you know, or kind of the West End ish. I wouldn't say it's the north end, but okay. I mean that's semantics, so I mean you can argue but yeah, I don't know, yeah. And that's a temp site, which I'm fully supportive of. So I do appreciate that, and I think the community down there has rallied to help. And there's also a Thames site over at McKinley um, that's in District 5 um, that's being moved to uh, 66 in Proctor, I believe it is, which is in the Manitou neighborhood. Um, so they're increasing the tiny homes from 50 to 70. Um, again, I'm supportive of the tiny homes and having a hardened structure so people can help themselves transition into better you know, conditions. Um, another District 5 project that's being proposed and, and I believe it, it may have already went to vote, um, but uh, it's a hotel purchase on Hosmer Street. Um, and as you can imagine, Hosmer's not the greatest street in the world uh, in Tacoma. Again, 
you know, I worry about the criminality, but I understand the emergency and I understand the support, again, in District 5. And then 84th and Pacific is also District 5. So you can, you can see a pattern here, don't you? <laughs> like where, where else in the city and where else can we play, uh, you know, help folks get, you know, the services they need in, in areas that they don't get preyed upon, you know, and, that, and set them up for success and help them transition. Are you looking when you say these to um, the people of other districts, to the to the council to to do this? How how do you frame this? Um, where you feel this this extra burden on the district? How do you want to relieve that? I think it's it's kind of both. I, I know that I know that there are many there's so many compassionate people in Tacoma that want to help, and so I would say to the folks that are in the North End that want to help, say, hey, let's. Let's open up our homes like we do with the refugees, you know, or something uh, something along those lines. Or let's find a site or if you have some private property that you might be able to lend to the city for a time so they can put tiny homes and things like that. Like look look to what you have in your community to help support because a lot of us in, in the South End and South Tacoma, we are supporting and we want to help and we are helping. And a lot of these things are being placed here, but, it, you know, it feels like, what about, you know, you, you, you talk a big game, but you're not out there helping too, you know? <laughs> and so I would, I would, I would put that on the community, but then I'd also put it on the council members that represent those areas as well. Okay. I appreciate that. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to dive into public safety. So stick around. Hello, this is Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, Citizen Tacoma, and a proud Alaska Airlines frequent flyer. Everything in our day-to-day life seems to involve more hassle these days. So it feels good that Alaska Airlines is making something easier. Alaska has made air travel virtually touch-free. Here's the rundown. When you check your bags at the airport, you won't have to touch the kiosk to print your bag tags. They'll print when you scan your boarding passes, or you can even print them from home. When you board your flight, they can scan your boarding pass from as much as six feet away. Now, the lawyers want me to say that this might not work if the lighting in the terminal is low or if the print quality of your boarding pass isn't great. But still, kudos to Alaska for trying to keep physical distancing at every point of the trip. And don't forget, you can pre-order your meal from your phone or from your computer. You can even put your card on file in case you decide mid-flight to splurge on a local wine or beer. Get your drink without pulling out your card. Now, that's the perfect blend of convenience, safety, and temptation. Those are the thoughtful details that make me choose Alaska Airlines every time I fly domestically. When you're ready to travel, rest easy, because Alaska's got this. Skip the travel sites and visit alaskaair.com to book your next flight. Thank you, Alaska Airlines, for making travel smoother, and thank you for your support of Channel 253. Welcome back. Thank you to our sponsor, and thank you to the members of Channel 253, uh, right about now is about our four-year anniversary as a network, um, and I don't think we would be here without our members. I think I can say that for sure. So if you like what we've been doing, please go to channel253.com slash membership. We'd love your support, $4 a month or $40 a year. So check that out. Um, you get to listen to Doug's members-only podcast, Off the Record and access to the Slack forum, which is uh, members only. So a couple fringe benefits for you uh, as you keep our lights on. So check it out. Thanks so much. Okay, we are back with Joe Bushnell. We're talking about the issues affecting Tacoma and particularly District 5. I got that number right? right? Correct. Okay. Um, 
you mentioned jobs. You mentioned uh, caring for the homeless. And I really liked how you phrased that. I just want to say that. Um, public safety. It's a big question. There's lots of different places to go. So maybe I'm just going to ask you to delve into a little bit more, um, you know, how we, how do you think of public safety? Yeah, public safety is is a partnership. It's a partnership with the community. Um, it's a partnership with our fire department, which also is part of public safety. It's a partnership with our police department. It's a partnership with neighborhood and community services. Um and it's, it's an all of the above. You know, nowadays it feels like a lot of people don't know who their neighbor is. When's the last time you, you talk to them, like, and just said, hey, how's it going? You know, or have a barbecue, you know, a block party. Like, do we, do we really know each other? And I, you know, I felt like when I was younger, we would often just have impromptu over the weekend. We'd bring out our barbecues out to the front of our house and my neighbors would, and we'd have an impromptu block party, you know, just one random Saturday. And that doesn't happen anymore. Um, You know, I think knowing who's on your block and, you know, if someone's coming through that might be not trying to do good things for your neighborhood, you already know. Like, hey, that that, guy is not not from here. Um, Not necessarily that they're doing something bad, but, you know, you can kind of keep your eye on them. Um, you know, there's, there's some mistrust, I believe with, uh, with the police department in the community. Um, I think that the department is definitely recognizes that and is trying to, to fix it. You know, Emmanuel Ellis was killed, uh, in South, the South end. And, you know, based on the prosecutor report you mentioned earlier, you know, and, and the circumstances of the situation, you can understand that mistrust, um, is it earned? Is that mistrust warranted, I guess, is the word that I'm looking for, in your opinion? I think it is earned. You know, if if I were to pick up the phone and call the police right now, how long would it take for them to show up, if they show up at all? You know, and I could have someone breaking into my car right now actively, like, so you can catch the perpetrator. If I called the police, what are the chances they're going to show up? You know, so th- that naturally already creates mistrust. Um, you know, this, the police department, I think the CLO program, the community liaison officer program is, is fantastic. I I think they need to increase it. You know, I'd love to see those guys, you know, biking up and down the neighborhoods and getting to know, uh, getting to know the people, knowing if, you know, there's a medical issue, uh, you know, or grandma needs help on the weekends or something like that, you know, that kind of builds that community trust and they know their CLO, they know they can call them if maybe it's not an emergency, maybe a non-emergency, or maybe they have a question, you know, is this okay that this person is doing this? And the officer might be able to say, oh yeah, that's fine or not. You know, the city has created artificial barriers to reaching our CLOs and I think it should be going the other way. Hmm. Like on the neighborhood council, um, we were not allowed, we were told we're not allowed to put the CLO's phone numbers on our newsletter anymore. Um, how are you supposed to contact them except through email, which is not very personable, right. you know, and if they're getting tons of emails, how are they able to, you know, respond to everything? Yeah. Um, you know, we do have an officer shortage as well. You know, we, we, there's more officers that still need to be hired. We don't have enough patrols, 
you know, I, I believe our community in the South End, South Tacoma, they want accountability, not just for the criminals, but for the police department, but for everybody, you know. And so if, if you're doing wrong, regardless if you're an officer or you're doing nefarious activities, you should be held to account. And, you know, that's that's what we want to see down there. We want to, we want the police there, but we want them – we want to be able to trust them and we want them to do the right thing. Um, and, you know, reading about what happened to Manny – does not bring that trust that I don't feel warm and fuzzy, you know? Um, and I understand that an officer's job is extremely difficult. You know, I, I get it. I was in, you know, the Marines, I was in Afghanistan in war and, you know, I've had a truck breakdown and we had to get out in an unfamiliar area is a, a small town called Garmshir. And there's a lot of people around. And I don't know if that someone down the way has got an AK 47 pointed at my head or if someone that's driving by has a, you know, a bomb, you know, I had someone come up and yell at me, you know, and I have a rifle in my hand. I'm in war and I have every reasonable suspicion to believe that he can do me harm. But even with the language barrier, you know, calm the situation down, have a move on and, you know, diffuse the situation. And, you know, I put my life at risk. I put my fellow Marines at risk, but, you know, we don't want we – have, we have escalation of force procedures that we have to follow. And sometimes I feel like it's more strict in wartime than it has been for – I think it – I mean, I think it is. For like some of our officers. That's what, actually what I was going to ask you is, is my – in some ways, the folks who are in the military have reflected to me that, like, you know, uh, it's much – easier for like an officer to using following every procedure you know to draw to draw a weapon for example than it might be for them in the military mm-hmm. um, and that's hard for me to to get my head around yeah it, it's hard for me to get around as well um, I do know that there's a lot of officers that have come with a military background mm-hmm. and for the most part you know I think they do a really good job but they also during the officer training they they change you know, this is the procedures that you have to follow now as opposed to what you did in the military in order to, you know, there's liability issues, you know, like, and I think some of the laws that are tightening, you know, some of those restrictions up at the legislature was a good thing. And I I think that our officers, you know, they're very smart people. And I think that they'll be able to figure out a way to navigate those new laws and do it in a way that brings trust to the community. Um, I'm confident that they can do it because... I think our officers want the best out of themselves, and if there are other officers that are doing bad, they will call them out. I'm hoping that they would call them out. That's what I expect out of my officers. So I expect that they would expect the same thing, if that makes sense. There's there's a tension, um, you know, that, that I want to kind of tease out where where there's a sense that you know we need accountability we need these certain things we we have high expectations we have these new laws that will hopefully help um, but and then I'm also hearing you saying you know like we also need more police especially in in your district um, how do you think about that you know um, does more get you what you want you know is there a different way to 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 get these things to happen how do you uh, think about that yeah, our, our officers, there's a lot of asked of our officers. Um, and honestly, I think they're asked too much. Um, you know, and certain responses might not necessarily warrant a police presence. You know, I look at uh, traffic accidents. You know, often a traffic accident will happen on South Tacoma Way and 56th Street. 
And that doesn't necessarily need a patrol officer to go over there and respond to. We could have someone that's that deals with traffic accidents specifically that's unarmed and knows how to deal with, you know, making sure all the insurance things are figured out and all this other stuff. And that, that frees up that patrol officer to focus in on, you know, that, that 911 call that came in because someone's breaking into your car. You know, so now instead of responding to that traffic accident, they're responding to active criminal activity or, you know, violence that might be being perpetrated against somebody. Um, so I think prioritization of the calls and then also diversifying um, how calls are responded to, whether it's mental health crises or, you know, other things. And and does the fire department have a role in that as well? Like I kind of see the fire department kind of has uh, – they have medical personnel. Um, maybe instead of a, a police response for a, you know, mental health crisis, we have a medic response that has a mental health you know, professional that is included on the team that, you know, but that obviously requires money. And so I'm, I'm more than happy to look at the budget and see where we can, um, you know, focus in on those, those projects, but then also, especially with the mental health aspect, look at where we can, you know, help regionally, you know, with Pierce County and, and other entities to kind of pull our resources. Cause you know, we're not the only city that's struggling with, with mental health. It's, it's a regional issue and, and, and a sure. lot of people are struggling. Yeah. Do you um, do you have a sense? You know, you're talking about these laws, uh, these these state laws that came in into effect very recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a sense that the officers who are um, I don't know what the you know who who are out in the patrol cars who are who are out there are portraying those as doing something that I'm not sure that they do and seem to be resisting them in some ways or, or perhaps trying to sway public opinion against them mm-hmm. um, by not responding to calls. I, I'm, I'm hearing stories of, of um, you know, in front of this place, this was happening and the police stood by and then just left or whatever it is. And that's a really... I, I don't know. How, I mean, that that just feels like a dangerous place to be, where where um, where that's happening. And I'm curious, um, you know, if if you see that happening, how you think as a city we can bring you know all these different things together. Any thoughts? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I think is the question of the day. Um, a lot of officers, uh, you know, don't like the law. They feel it um, <clears throat> it handcuffs them. And restrains them from doing their job. Um, I I would disagree with that that sentiment. I think um, you know it it helps the officers be able to focus in on what they can and can't do. You know it, what they could have done before was I felt like too broad. Um, and so the there may be some issues with the law that need to be get looked at, um, and that's. That's for the the police and and the legislature to work out, um, but I don't think of any things in particular that that stick out to me. You know, to me, this is a lot of common sense stuff, and I think I think our officers are smart enough that they can navigate it and live with these rules and new rules and <clears throat> and work it. Yeah, but it, there has to be a willingness on their part um, to do so. Um, you know, I've seen some of the the letters that have been brought out by the different, you know, departments and stuff like that. And, you know, they're not embracing it. 
you know, they're fighting it. Right. And is that is that going to bring trust to the community? You know, is it's the community and the state and the cities and the representatives that brought these laws forth, you know. And so are you saying that what all everything is going on is a lie? Because I wouldn't say it's a lie. Someone was killed in the street by, you know, your hands. And so we want to if you if you continue down this path, you're not building that trust that you so desperately want. And, and you want that community support that you'd so desperately need to, to do your job effectively. And then you're turning around yeah. and, and not supporting the community with these, these laws. And I, you know, I'd love to see some more embracing and what can we do to work with these laws and good faith, if there are issues in good faith, try to make it work better for the department. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, I don't think I've actually asked any candidates this question yet because it wasn't a thing yet. Um, any thoughts on the vaccine mandates for uh, public employees that does actually, I guess, in many ways fall under public safety? Yeah, um, that's uh, yeah, I, <laughs> that's a good question as well. You know, I've I've had my vaccine for a while now. I got the Pfizer one um, through the the VA, and you know. I, I trust the science that's behind it, and it's now been FDA approved. Um, you know, the military is already making moves to vaccinate their force 100%. Um, at the end of the day, you know, there are some public health concerns that are big enough that it warrants a government mandate. And I, I'd be for um, maybe for city employees and staff to be, you know, at least with the Pfizer one because it is FDA approved, you know, yeah. uh, before previously I would considered optional. Yeah, of course. But for the health and safety of not just uh, other employees in the city, but I, I think about other employees' families, you know, like like young children that cannot get the vaccination. Um, and I think the, the numbers and the data really bears out how much of a difference being vaccinated makes. Yeah. You know, our hospitals are, are, are being run ragged right now. I have a friend of mine that works at St. Joe's and they've, it's, it feels like it was back when the, the peak of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and they're running ragged, you know, they're, they're tired and vast, vast majority of the folks that are in there are unvaccinated yeah. and they need ventilators and extra help. And so it, you know, not being vaccinated to me, you're not, you don't care about other people's families. You know, it's 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 selfish to be honest, and I, I'm really, I'm really encouraging folks, you know, to make the right choice and and to get vaccinated, um, for whatever reason. I mean, there are some legitimate reasons why people can't for for real medical, but it it needs to be bona fide, you know, real reason, not just because you feel like it. Thank you for that. Um, we talked about big the big three for you. Is there something you'd like to see happen in Tacoma or in your district? Maybe it doesn't have to be like super important, but just like something you're like, hey, I'd love to see this thing change, be fixed, improved. Could be fun either way. Yeah, I and there, man, there's so many things, <laughs> right? And there's so many programs. Um, you know, I, I I wish that we'd have a longer future outlook on things. Hmm. Um, you know, there's I there's a 30 year plan, but there's nothing that goes beyond that. Um, whenever I think about decisions, you know, I, I look, uh, I see the Puyallup tribe and other, you know, tribes as like, you know, really great leaders in, in terms of like how decisions are made. They think about 
not just this generation, but how it affects multiple generations down the line. And I feel like a lot of decision-making, it doesn't have that future thought in it, you know? Um, so when we're, when we're tearing up a road, uh, you know, are we thinking about what is the future going to look like for that road? You know, are we going to have bike lanes? Are we going to have, you know, trees? Are we going to have things that are going to be beneficial to not just us currently, but down the line into the future. Um, are we best utilizing our, our resources when, when roads are being torn up? Are we going in there replacing, you know, 100-year-old piping? Are we undergrounding power lines in order to make sure our area is, you know, nicer? Um, I think we need to take a look at things more, those things more seriously. And they, and they often do. The city already often does. Uh, but the, the most limit, limiting factor, limiting factor is funding. You know, it costs a lot of money to underground those power lines. Right. And so, you know, I think <clears throat> what are we doing to leverage our resources um, within the city with our state and federal partners? Uh, you know, I look at this infrastructure bill that's recently been passed um, and what can we do to utilize that money to to look at the future? Um, yeah. Permeable pavement, you know. <laughs> it's all good stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and transit-oriented development, you know, kind of down the gambit. Great. Um, what's your What's your closing pitch? Why vote for Joe Bushnell for uh, Tacoma City Council District Five? Yeah, thank you. Um, I I love this city, and I will always be here. I was born and raised, and I, I plan on raising my family here and and dying here. I love Tacoma, and and um, you know, I'd love to earn your vote. We may not always agree on everything, but I will always be willing to listen, and I always take in new facts, and I'm more than happy to change my, my thought process if presented with facts that make sense. You know, I'm not completely stuck in one way. You know, um, one of the mottos of the Marine Corps is to be able to adapt and overcome. Hmm. You know, as you push through, you know, things change. You know, battle situations change. You know, nothing is always constant. And so you have to take in new information and change with what's happening. And Tacoma is in, it, Tacoma is in a great time of change currently, and we need the right people at the helm in order to adapt and overcome these changes. Thank you. So I would hope to earn your vote. Thank you. If someone wants to find out more, connect with you, where can they find you on the Internet these days? They can check out joebushnell.com, J-O-E-B-U-S-H-N-E-L-L.com, and it has my personal cell phone number on there. Give me a call or text. Bold. Or shoot me an email. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to be here on uh, the Citizen Tacoma podcast. It's really appreciated. And uh, thanks again. Thank you. I appreciate it. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Citizen Tacoma is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, We Are Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Crossing Division, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.